what happens when a preacher and a science teacher discuss today's world from a biblical perspective. You're about to find out. This is Beaker and Pulpit Podcast. Hi, Carrie. So Hi, we, we, were st- <laughs> we were starting a conversation before we started recording, so I thought it was probably going to be good content for the podcast. So maybe if you can just back up and say, here's what we're studying in school right now. Okay, well, you know, our everybody has different goals as an educator, it seems like. And, and one of my main goals as an educator, as a science teacher, is I want my students to learn how to think for themselves. Yes. And when you look at the world today, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic, well... We, we get all sorts of information we're getting flooded with. You look on mainstream media, you look on the internet, you're getting all this information, but how much of it's accurate? How much of it's true? How much of it is, is actually false? Or just opinion. Yeah. Right. And, and what is just opinion? And so we, we, we teach our students when you're going inter- to research on the internet to look up things that are that have like .gov or .edu on the end. Right. Because typically when scientists do research, that's where they're going to post it at. Right. On a .edu, some sort of college, university website, or through the government, you know, i.e. the CDC or the NIH. And, sure. And I know sometimes people look at, oh, CDC, no. Right. No, but they, they actually do have good research on there. Yeah. Even though they may not follow it, but they they have it there. So the last couple of days, we've been working with our students to develop this idea of the difference between a cause and a correlation. Okay. And and so in in setting this up, setting the table for it as you were, a cause is something where you are changing a variable. It's like you're doing an experiment. Right. So you're getting a cause and effect, and those kinds of experiments, um, they either support or they don't support your hypothesis. And and most scientists, they're going to do research and they're going to do all these experiments till they can find an experiment that supports their hypothesis or they're going to tweak their hypothesis to fit the the experiment, Right. And well, that's two very different things, isn't it? Not really. Okay. I if mean, you're if you're trying to prove your hypothesis right by by rigging the experiment, no, 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 oh, no, okay. no, no. Right. You, you you do you have a you have your hypothesis, right? Yeah. And then so you you develop a test, um, some sort of experiment, yep. whichever the topic is for your hypothesis. So you you, you so you form this this experiment. And then you you do the experiment and you collect the data, uh-huh. and then from the results of that data, that usually is going to either confirm or deny your hypothesis. Right. Which then the scientists, and this is one thing people don't understand: most scientists, their hypotheses are wrong majority of the time. Yeah. And that's why they have to do a couple of things. They they go back and they have to retweak their hypothesis. And sometimes they're going to say, well, this is the outcome. Oh, now if this was my hypothesis, 
that matches his outcome. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's so, why we have crash test dummies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's going to fail a whole bunch of times before you get it right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what they're doing. They're, 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 they're tweaking both sides of this, their hypothesis and their experiment, to, hey, okay. And now what they do is then they, they publish this stuff yep. so that it can be peer-reviewed by their peers, and their peers go into the laboratory and do the experiment. And then if they come out with a similar type results, then they're going to say, hey, well, then this sounds accurate. Right. It sounds like a good thing. Yep. Now that that kind of testing is what you know we call that hard testing. It, it, it it's good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But now we get something that's called I keep keep going. Cause and correlation. Correlation. There yep. you correlation. That word keeps getting <laughs> getting to me. So you have to forgive me here. So the correlation is totally different. So in, in your first description, we're identifying causes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how is correlation different? Correlation is right now there are scientists that are taking all of this COVID data. Yep. And they are sifting through these mounds of data. And they're coming up with a correlation. Okay. A relationship. Yep. That doesn't mean, and they can come up with one, but that doesn't mean it's accurate. Because some of it could be coincidental? It could be that. We really don't know what causes the data to be what it is. Okay? That data then has to be really um, retested to see if it matches up with their hypothesis of their correlation. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So So you have to, so you've identified... A correlation between, let's say, patient X and COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So in order to perform an experiment, you really have to have similar subject matter, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's patient X again or now it's patient Y who Mm -hmm. is very similar to patient X and how COVID affects them. And Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but now you got to think of it in a much grander scale thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands of people, because we have a lot of this data now. Uh, and so there's this this correlation. One correlation that, that's going on in this world is that, that um, masks work in school, on school-age kids. Okay. And you're going to say, okay, what do you mean by this? Well, the correlation goes like this. So if you keep the kids... And everyone in school, all masked up while they're in school, they won't get COVID. And the data suggests from that correlation, man, hardly any kids are getting COVID in school. Okay. Right? Well, (laughs) when you start testing it, they found that, well, most of the time, kids don't get COVID anyhow. That's one of the least groups that gets COVID. Right. Okay. So the mask isn't doing it. It's the patient. Exactly. Okay. But there is data, this correlation data, that suggests that this is a good thing. Okay. Well, so mainstream media, as an example, will say, oh, we have this this data now, this research that says masks are important in school, so all the kids need to be masked up, right? Right. Well, number one, they're not telling you it's – 
correlation study. It's not in just an association, and they're not telling you that it hasn't been tested directly. Okay. But the data does suggest that. So they're not lying, Yeah. but they're really not being totally factual with it. Yeah. And so we, we encourage our students, okay, you hear this stuff, whether you're on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, um, those are a lot of the major social media networks and all that kind of stuff where you guys get your information from. Right. You need to challenge that. You need to listen and then think through it and maybe, you know, get on your own laptop and do a little bit of re- research on it. Yeah. Because if it's just a relationship and I can, and I, in class, I just start showing these relationships that's all they are. But that's not a scientific study, right? You're just looking exactly. at the Exactly. Right. And that's what people need to know the difference. Because in this world, we're getting inundated with all sorts of information about COVID this, COVID that. Most of these studies are correlations. Okay. Because they go, oh, man, they went through thousands of you know pages of data. When you hear they went through pages of data, that means they didn't do any experiments. That's a correlation study. Okay. And that should tell you, time out, okay, they see that there's a relationship. They may be right, but they may not be. They All they're trying to show is that there's a relationship based upon this data, and that's it. So how does this, if we can tie it into our previous discussions, <clears throat> when we're talking about the difference between cause and correlation, if we look back to origins or we're talking about beginnings, mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, is Big Bang a viable um, theory? Mm-hmm. Um, is there, you know, is there strong evidence for uh, macro evolution? Um, it's interesting um, in this article that I was reading, it talks about cosmology, geology, paleontology, um, even evolution or attempts to reconstruct the history of the universe. And specifically, it says cosmology really isn't. Um, it may look like science. This is Dr. James Gunn says this. Um, cosmology may look like a science, but it isn't a science. A basic tenet of science is that you can do repeatable experiments, and you can't do that with cosmology because cosmology, right, you're kind of looking back in time, the history of the cosmos. So, um, and, then it, and then it shows like a... Michael Turner, who's a theoretical cosmologist, says the goal of physics is to understand the basic dynamics of the universe. You can do repeatable experiments when it comes to physics. Yes. Cosmology is a little different. The goal is to reconstruct the history mm-hmm. of the universe. And so we would see, see that, too, with, like, paleontology, archaeology, things mm-hmm. like that, like you're trying to reconstruct. So when we talk about cause versus correlation, and we think about, even if it's just cosmology, I know you're a biologist, mm-hmm. um, but, but if, we, if we think in terms of theoretical evolutionary biology, mm-hmm. are those repeatable experiments that we can derive scientific truths from? Well, number one, testing things that happen, thousands and hunt, what they want to say, you know, uh, 100 you know, billion years ago or whatever, yeah. uh, that's hard to test, period. Sure. Okay? So you are relying on your present-day knowledge of how physics works. Right. Now, yeah, i got to understand this, that 
we've advanced in the last 50 to 100 years. We've made great advancements in the study of physics. Okay, ever since Newton got hit on the head by the apple, sure. right? Uh, hey, hey, that must be gravity, right? Yeah. yeah. And the laws of motion and then Einstein and, and his theories. We're, we're, we're trying to take what we presently know and trying to apply it back in the history, in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to apply a lot of correlations. Mm-hmm. And so these correlations might line up right and they might not. Mm -hmm. We don't know. But just based upon what we know, we try to make this correlation saying, well, if this is true and then this is true, then then step one, two, and three should have happened. Okay. Okay. And and all we're doing is making a correlation. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about history like that, it's all theory in the end. Okay. They're just... They're theorizing. Actually, I don't even call it a, a theory. I would call it more of a hypothesis. They're hypothesizing that, that this is what should have happened. Okay. Yeah. And so um, when you talk about evolution of man, well, we have trying to find hard data, hard data to show that somehow some ape turned into this human species. Mm-hmm. There had to have been more than one, right? There had to be at least two. And they had to be one male and one female. Right. Okay, because that's all the genders there are out there, and that's the only way that you get offspring. And then evolving and at those, the same rate, at the same place, at the same time. All those or things, if they were at different places. They never see each the, other. They had to at least find each other at the same time. Yeah. Right. And then, then they have to be uh, at least at the age that they can both be fertile. Procreate, yeah. Because that is the key, and that's what we're talking about species, is you must be able to reproduce. And so, I mean, we, we say that somewhat uh, in jest, like the apes would have to find each other. But really that's true for all living things mm-hmm. that um, are not asexual reproducers. Correct. Right. So everything that must have a male or female mate mm-hmm. had to evolve like that, yes. right? At the same rate, at the same time. Yes. And if not in the same place, had to find each other. Yes. Right, and by chance. Yeah. And and if that didn't happen, well, they would have just died, and their DNA would have just died with them. Right. And, you know, nothing's going on. Well, and then isn't it true um, when we look at – um, mutations, right? Because okay. because evolution talks about mutations over time that have garnered stronger species, right? Survival mm-hmm. of the fittest. Yes. But correct me if I'm wrong, don't we see with, in general, and maybe we could say by and large, more often than not, mutations are a degradation to the system, not a benefit to the system. So genetic entropy for lack of a better word. That- yeah, you, you could say that. And and, and I guess it, it's all in the eye of the beholder half the time on the mutations, okay. whether it makes you better or not. Okay. Okay. Some... Well, I, I think about humans. If we see a genetic mutation now... Yes. Right? If, there is, if there's a, a missing chromosome or something's doubled up or something's mm-hmm. missing or something gets skipped in sequence, that mutation generally 
hasn't benefited that child that's born. Correct. And then in order for that mutation to live on, they would have to mate with somebody else with the same, and their DNA has to line up. Yeah. If it doesn't line up, then there's no fertility taking place there. Right. Okay? And that's the other key to it. So there are people that come out with a mutation. Well, that mutation is going to end up dying with them because they're in their DNA sequence, it has to line up identical or else it, it ain't happening. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is the key that you really need to understand when you're talking about evolving from one species to another species. Mm-hmm. The chances of this happening and having that two species, one a male, one a female, at the same time in the same location so that they can procreate and their DNA lining up so that their offsprings can carry on that mutation or that change. Right. I mean, I'm I'm not a gambler, and I'm not I'm not one of those big mathematicians, but I'm sure they can come up. That is a very slim chance of yeah, that probability happening. Probability starts to hurt. Oh that yeah, argument, right? it re- really does. Yeah. So uh, we kind of talked you know, weeks ago. We talked about on the micro scale mm-hmm. that um, there was this irreducible complexity, mm-hmm. right? That if something didn't exist in its simplest form. Um, or the simple form that it is now, and I think we talked about the flagellum, right, when mm-hmm. it comes to DNA. A little tail. Yeah, a little motor that moves mm-hmm. stuff around where it's supposed to go. Um, for that to have evolved, it couldn't be in the precise condition that it is now or arrangement that it is now. And it, if there was a component of it that had evolved, or meaning that a previous version of it mm-hmm. um, didn't have a component that it does now, it wouldn't survive. Correct. Or it wouldn't sequence DNA correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that living organism fails to exist. Mm-hmm. It dies off, and and then there's not an advanced version of it. So that's on the micro level. Mm-hmm. On the on the larger scale, you're saying even even if that happened at the micro level, we're saying that these two things had to find they had to develop at the same time, mm-hmm. right? The probability of of male and female. Uh, evolving precisely so that their DNA would sequence mm-hmm. to procreate. And then the subsequent version, upgraded version of that, that has mm-hmm. experienced some genetic mutation that's of benefit, mm-hmm. then two more of those same genetically mutated, positively mutated beings would have to find each other at a, yes. the exact time. And, and so the probability continues to go down and down and down. And then you look at the hard data that we supposedly have, it's like, okay, we found this one skull here. Right. And then you know, they might say, well, we found this other skull over here. And there are different time periods and different locations. And you're going, well, you know, they couldn't have gone, come together that far a distance. And they're not the same time period. So does that really show that there's evolution taking place? Right. And, and that's, that's a part where we can't recreate that history. And we... We only can do it with cor- correlations. Okay. And and so there's only there's only one time in our lives that we'll know the truth, and that's when we get to heaven. We can ask Jesus, uh, "Can you give us a a brief movie video here? Give me you know, play by play. yeah, give us a quick, you know, the quick version here. You know, not not the ten thousand years or whatever version it takes, just so we 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 know for sure because we right. already know, but right." And uh, and then you know then we'd have the answer. But um, the interesting thing is, is we're also studying bacteria, yep. and I bring this in there because 
in our lives, in humans, we have good bacteria that lives inside of us and yeah. lives on us. We also have bad bacteria right. that lives in us and on us. Right. And when the bad bacteria starts multiplying too much, that's when we get sick. And now with the advent of uh, antibiotics, we're like, hey, give me some antibiotics here so I can get feeling better and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the bacteria beca- can become resistant to it. Sure. Well. That's what MRSA is, right? MRSA is one of them. Yeah. One of the bad boys coming out of the hospital, yeah. Right. Anyhow, they are those bacteria, are they evolving to a new species? That's a question. Yeah. And quite frankly, we don't even know that there's more than one species of bacteria. Say that again. We basically don't know if there's more than one species of bacteria. We don't know that. We don't know that. Not We know that different bacteria can do different things, but when we look at them, we're going, well, that looks like the same bacteria. Really? Yes. So And there's, and there's trillions, right? So, so I've heard this. I don't know if it's true, that there's more bacteria in your gut than there are cells in your body. Because you're talking that tri- would be close trillions of cells that yeah. make up your body, right? Yeah, we're, we're just and all. Then, are there really that many bacteria in yes. and on your body? Yes, that because creeps, that just creeps me out a little bit. Well, because the bacteria, the good bacteria, is on your skin. It's cleaning up all the dead. It's cleaning everything up on your skin. Right. All this junk that doesn't I mean, belong there. That's their job that, is to clean it up. Doesn't that point to design? Oh, you better believe it. Points to the creator who loves it, you so much. There's a, there's a thing doing a job yeah. that is specific to that thing yes. that is benefiting you. Yes, right. most definitely. And then in your gut, when you eat food and you masticate it, like you just broke down the banquet dinner here. I did have banquet turkey. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so it gets into your stomach, and then the acids, it's hydrochloric acid, pounding on it and Tearing it down, breaking it down more, then it's going through your intestines, your small intestines. And it's all through those intestines with all those bacteria in there, helping to continue to break it down in an acidic world, okay, and doing their job, breaking it down, making sure the nutrients can can get absorbed through the stomach lining into your blood system. And now it's your blood's job to send it to every single cell in your body. And you just talked about trillions or trillions of, yeah. of cells. Yeah. Okay. So, and they're all hooked up to an like an arterial, you know, coming off of a capillary there. So, so the blood is getting all the way down there. It's going to each cell, saying, "Here, you, here, you need some nutrition. Here, this is what you boom. Need. Yeah. Here you go. You need this. Here you go. And then, oh, you got waste material? Give it to me. Waste material, and they take it back. Right. And and it ends up to your lungs, and then you breathe it out. Right. And everything you breathe out is waste material that was in your cells, created in your cells, being used it because it's doing cellular respiration. I mean, it's, it's so complex. Even this, the what I would think is a simple form, like bacteria, seems like pretty simple. Yes, in they terms are. Of a living thing, they are very simple. Right. So, um, are they single-celled organisms? Yeah, they're just yeah. so single-celled organisms that have a pretty complex design and function. Yeah, well, they're designed. Most of them are rod shaped, you know. But just the fact that they they do their job over and over and over, yeah, and, over they, and over again, you, and they they don't have much DNA in them, right? Because DNA tells tells them what to do. 
Yeah. Our DNA tells us what we do, and it tells what our body systems are to do. Yeah. So they're going, oh, okay, this is what I do. Right. They, they're not really thinking or anything. They're just doing and what so their DNA tells them to do. Let, in terms of, you know, I would look at that and say, man, this speaks to a pretty – pretty uh, intense level of design. Oh, right? extreme. Like a, right? Just a, yes. a master class yes. in design. Um, but let's say that, you know, for the sake of the argument, let's talk evolution. Even in its simplest form, the bacteria that performs its job over and over and over again that is of benefit to you, mm-hmm. um, had it evolved, could it, perform any of its functions so that you might survive? Let's say good bacteria doesn't do its job in your body. What happens? Well, it, it's going to end up dying. It's going to be getting rid of because it's not doing its job. And if it sticks around, then that usually going to cause you to get sick. Right. So you have a couple of things happening here. you got your white blood cells, and they're going to sick, sick the T cells on them because mm-hmm. they're, they're your basic virus fighters, bacteria fighters, and they're going to go there. And if they're needing help, that's when you go to the doctor and get your antibiotics and that kicks it out. So good bacteria had to evolve at the same rate or close to the same rate as bad bacteria in order for living organisms to survive. Mm -hmm. So now we're talking probability again, Mm -hmm. the likelihood of that happening. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it? You know, that's what I'm saying. When people just say we all we we evolved and this just took thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, you're going. The probability of this continuing to happen for all these years, no, no. Well, and but it's it's spoken of, it's taught, it's it's repeated as as fact, as truth. True. Right? Yeah. So, so with without an intimate knowledge like you have, or without even hearing that, you would go, mm-hmm. well, that I mean. People have told me this is scientists have said this is truth, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I think it's the same um, same conversation. Um, just a couple minutes left for us, but um, you know, I was reading another article that talked about um, paleontologists finding soft tissue in dinosaur bones. Yeah, and so that that's a turning point for for many people because they would go, if this dinosaur bone is as old as it's supposed to be. Should it have should it. not have soft tissue. Correct, right? And so, and then I, and then I even read a response. You know, the paleontologist sent the data to someone else to review it, and the person reviewing it said, "This is wrong. There's not soft tissue." And the science, the other, the the one sending the information said, "No, I, I have it. Uh, not only do I have the information written down for you to review, but I have the samples. You should come see yeah. the samples." And and the second person says. This can't be true. Mm-hmm. This isn't science. This is not fact. This is not what we know. And the original person saying, what's going to convince you that I found soft tissue in mm-hmm. dinosaur bones? And the second person said, nothing. Yeah. Nothing will convince me. And that is a microcosm of our world today. Because. Like, don't get distracted by the facts. Well, yeah, well, that too. <laughs> But now think about this, and we we see this because we're we're doing our study in Revelations, right? Yeah. God is literally sending angels to the earth saying, guys, you need to repent or bad things are going to happen. This is in the book of Revelation. Yes. Right. And so people don't repent, the bad things happen, and guess what? They still shake their fist at God and curse God. Right. Uh, God is here telling you that he's alive and he's real, 
why don't you accept him? Hmm. Right? So he's doing all of these things to show humanity that he's alive, that he's real, and that he loves them and cares for them and wants them to be saved, but they still won't accept him. Hmm. Just like your relationship here, this doctor, this scientist said, nope, there's nothing you can do to change my mind. Yeah, you can't convince me you because see? it's not so, what so we know. With facts, we would think that should change everybody's mind. Right. But in reality, facts only change the minds of people that want to be changed. And so, uh, you know, one of the things you said is that you're you're endeavoring to teach your students how to be critical thinkers. How yes. To think. All right. I think the other thing that uh, we should be prayerful about, we should be encouraging younger people or even our own peers, uh, is that, you know, we should be open to, you know, a critical thinker mm-hmm. and not just their thoughts, but, you know, discoveries that may point us in the direction towards uh, towards faith. Yes. Right? Yes. Where, you know, our society now says that right, science and faith are mutually exclusive. Yeah, they're not. But I'm so encouraged, even, you know, as you describe, uh, you know, biological systems to me, mm-hmm. it's it's it, it bolsters my faith, right? I, because when I hear that, I think, man, there's a designer, right? That's right. Like down to these minute <laughs> details, right? Because, it, because it, it makes the process work, yes. right? So the living organism functions properly. Mm-hmm. But we take all that for granted, yes. right? That, that these little bacteria doing their job is, mm-hmm. is keeping us alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I hear the science of it, I'm so encouraged, mm-hmm. right? It bolsters my faith. Yes, there's a designer that loves us, mm-hmm. that created us in this just amazing way yes just the dis- different systems and properties that are working together mm-hmm. uh, to, to keep us upright mm-hmm. right to, to be able to have this conversation oh yeah um, and so you know I think that's an encouragement you know for those around us sometimes it's easy to just get frustrated right with people that mm-hmm. don't see things the way you do for people that don't believe what you believe and even if they're just like that second guy in in the illustration nothing will convince me it's easy to get so frustrated mm-hmm. uh, but man what a difference it is, again, if we're seeing the world through the lens of Scripture, yes, right, therefore through the eyes of Christ, yes, right, that that that, that person who may seem so close-minded yes. or, or so abstract in their thinking, that God is, is passionate about them too. Oh, yes. Right? He designed them in, in, in that the perfection of the system just like he designed you. Mm-hmm. And so rather than just live that life of frustration with people that think or believe differently than you, to see them through that lens of Scripture and, and to be hopeful yes. for the opportunity for them to find the same hope that you have. Yeah. And you you plant a seed. Right. You know, the Scriptures talk about, you know, one person plants, another person waters, and then a the third person will reap the harvest. Right. It makes no difference where you're at in this process. So you want to be able to plant seeds. And that's what we're doing here, too, with people. We're planting seeds of hope to realize that there is a God, there is a designer, that God has revealed himself to us through his creation, and that all we have to do is open up to that fact, that that that's God, all that interaction how smoothly all this stuff works together, even at the microscopic level as well as the macro level, that's God. 
it just doesn't I don't care how many years of evolution you, you think it takes and all the probabilities that have to hit match up perfectly. Right. No, there's one God, one and, creator and designer. And it's the perfect time of year to express how thankful we are for Oh, that, most right? definitely. So uh, we won't be together next week because I'll be traveling. I think you're out of town too yeah, for Thanksgiving. We're all traveling. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of that time of year where uh, we'll have a week on and a week off, but I'm grateful for the time that we get to spend together. And oh, look yes. forward to a couple weeks from now when we sit down again. Most definitely. All right. Thanks, Gary. You bet.